So we're jumping back into the book of James. We started, uh, I think it was back beginning of December, and we jumped into uh, looking at the book of James and just kind of walking through it, and how do we put our faith into action? How do we live out uh, this faith that Christ is, is birthed within us? And uh, I love the book of James. It's very practical. Uh, it steps on everybody's toes. There, it's impossible to read, unless you are... Um, just not honest with yourself, it's impossible to read through James and think, this doesn't apply to me. <laughs> no, I got it all together. It's impossible. And so if you, if you are following along in the sermon series or, or listening online and you're like, it's just not applying to me, we're praying for you. You've got big issues. Um, you need to get to church and so we can pray for you. James chapter 2, verse 1. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? That's in the New Living Translation. The, the, the New English Translation says, my brothers and sisters, do not show prejudice or partiality is another way that Greek word can be translated. If you possess faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the main thing we're going to be kind of taking hold of this morning. If you could go to the first slide there, Santana, kind of our, our central text theme. Is, as we go through this, we're kind of doing a little bit of different structure. We're kind of throwing out the main theme that uh, if you're, hopefully everyone's kind of taking notes. We're going to be chewing on this and growing. But uh, the main theme that's in this text that we're looking at today is we as followers of Christ must treat other people with equal dignity and attention just as Jesus did. That's kind of the main crux of verse 1. So James, is he's starting it off right away. He's throwing this out. He's saying, this is what I want you to get. And then he's going to go into some examples here, uh, starting in verse 2. For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? He was saying, and this, just to put some context here, this would have been normal for them. This wasn't now, in our cultural context, we think, well, that's horrible. How dare we treat people? We don't do that. Well, in their culture and context, even the poor people discriminated against poor people because you wanted to show honor to, everyone thought the rich people were great. They were their, their superstars, so to speak. So we think we would never act like that. Well, we do, just in different ways. But in their, in their context, let's say uh, they, they had their meetings, they were at home churches or wherever they were gathering, and, and someone new walked in and they had a big gold ring and fancy clothes, they'd be like, oh, yes, you're what we're looking for. Come on, you get the seat of honor. And oftentimes, they were probably someone of prominence in, this, in the community or a Roman citizen, and you didn't want to tick them off. And so we gave them a seat of prominence. If someone dirty came in, they're like, who? okay, just get over here. And you would see poor people even doing this to each other, like, oh, get over here, because they didn't want to get in the favor of the wealthy person or the people whose attention they really want. And this was something that was actually happening in the early church. 
So James is using this as, as an example of what he's talking about, something that they could take hold of. So he says, listen to me, verse 5, listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? He's quoting Jesus' sermon. He's saying, hey, blessed are those who are poor. Because part of it is when we have a lot, and there's nothing wrong with having a lot, but when we put our trust and our hope and our faith in what we have rather than Christ, when we seek to gain the whole world at the risk of losing our souls, we have nothing. And that, that parable that Jesus told, it's easier for, for a, sometimes a, a camel to squeeze through this narrow little passage than it is for someone with a lot of things in life to give it up to follow and humbly serve Christ. Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom as promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? And so they would have these, these wealthy Romans coming in that were, were trying to um, persecute them at times, and they're trying to appease the culture around them. They're using the things of the culture to try to get people to like them. And so James is, is cautioning against this. Verse 8. Yes, indeed. It is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. Christ wasn't the only one who said this. Uh, God spoke this word back in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. And verse 9, but if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. And so you had in this Jewish context that they were in as well, many of them were following Christ and they thought, man, we we're doing good, we're not, we're not uh, committing murder, we're not uh, cheating on our spouses, we're not doing this, we're not doing that, we're not stealing, we're not like all these other people. And so we're so good. And so they didn't see, they had this blind spot, and sometimes because we, we think we have it all together, it creates this blind spot, and we think we don't have anything in our lives that is contrary to what Scripture teaches. And that would happen. They, they looked good on the outside. They, they looked like good moral people, but they were treating each other and they were treating other people in the world differently. And James is saying, no. This is what against what God has called us to. This is sin. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder so if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. He's saying you can't compare one sin to the other. Sin is sin. Verse 12, so whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. It's an interesting statement there. He's saying the very thing that sets you free is the thing that you'll be held accountable by. We were set free by Christ's mercy and his grace. So we will be held accountable to whether or not we steward and also extend that same grace and mercy. Verse 13, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, 
God will be merciful when he judges you. He's again, he's echoing what Christ said. Forgive others so that your Father in heaven might forgive you. We as followers of Christ must treat other people with equal dignity and attention and love and service just as Jesus did. And James, he uses the example of, of the, the poor and the wealthy. It was a situation that they had in their, in their culture there. And as I said before, we sometimes, we have troubles relating sometimes to the examples we see, sometimes in the initial context, um, because we may not have oil lamps that we use, or uh, we sometimes have to really delve in and look at it. So I want us this morning look at something just so we don't make the mistake of saying, well, um, we, we love everyone equally. This is, this is America, right? We, we, we love the poor and the wealthy equally. We say and we think that, right? So, so we don't think that about ourselves. Let's think of some different examples as well in which this may happen. And to be honest, there are people that make us more comfortable than others, right? And so James isn't saying you just have to be all lovey-dovey, like, oh I, just, oh, I just love spending so much time with everybody. We're not all wired that way, okay? So don't, don't worry, that's not what James is saying. James is saying, despite how you may think, despite how your society and culture might have trained you to think about people or whatnot, choose. Because the love of Christ, as we've talked about, this agape love, meaning unconditional, is giving other people what they need the most, even when they deserve it the least. And so what he's saying is basically, don't judge who is worthy and who isn't worthy of getting more grace or more mercy or more attention or more love or more service from the body of Christ based on these judgments that we create based on our experiences or out of our own culture. And sometimes we even have the, the, uh, the, the opposite effect where it's not the, sometimes if we, especially if you're like me and you grew up in a, a working class um, uh, rural area, um, you, you were respected if you had a rusty, muddy pickup truck. And you were scoffed and considered less than if you had a brand new 7 Series BMW. It's just as wrong. <laughs> I actually heard a conversation when I was a kid once, and, and this person had, I think it was even used, they had this Mercedes, and they were going, oh, can you believe that person? How can they call themselves a Christian driving a Mercedes? Then they left in their 50,000 plus Ford Dooley that pulled their horses, you know. Um, okay, I don't know how that works, but okay. Um, so, so there's so many different ways that we we set ourselves apart, and we divide, and, and we judge who is and who isn't worthy of our attention and our service. And, and, and just because we're not treating someone poorly or negatively doesn't mean we don't have a wrong attitude or heart towards them, or we're not discriminating towards them, because a, a lack of action, a, a lack of willingness, a lack of, of effort to, to do what God is calling us to do, 
because of any reason, that is sin. And I think James would have probably maybe even used this example. We, we live in a very politically uh, charged society right now where we have you know, a good chunk to one side and a good chunk to the other and a little chunk in the middle. And I can imagine, use a little liberty here, imagine James saying, you know, hey, it doesn't matter if you wear, if you're voting red or you're voting blue or whatever in between, don't discriminate against each other. And I can't tell you how many conversations I've had and unfortunately how many different uh, churches sometimes where um, the, the statement or the attitude is, if you don't vote this way, you can't be one of us. And I've heard this lamented from both political ends of the spectrum in our society, and this is sad because we're doing exactly what James is saying, don't do. What Jesus said, don't do. We don't have to agree with everyone. It's okay, we don't have to agree. But we have to, in our disagreement, still show the love of Christ. And because that person disagrees with us does not mean they are less than in the body of Christ, which we saw the disciples trying to do right away. They're like, Jesus, which one of us is the best? Which one of us is going to sit right next to you? And they had a very diverse group of disciples that, if you look at their backgrounds, disagreed quite a bit on their politics. And yet God, I, Jesus intentionally picked a bunch of imperfect, diverse people to put them together because that is what he's calling us to be. We are an imperfect group of people being perfected by Christ, made new through him. And so each and every one of us need to extend to one another what God has extended to us. So one example might be a political or socioeconomic uh, ideologies. A second example might be uh, of our cultural, we have a main uh, cultural prejudice within our society, within our American culture, and that is the, the favoritism, you ready, of self. Me, myself, and I. We, we are in a society, in, in, in the cultural context that James was in, it was a very communal-based society, and, and you, it was all about the group, but you would put certain people part of the group down to help other people part of the group. In our society, it's, a little, it's all about me. It's all about I. And we will put our happiness, we see it plastered all over, do what makes you happy. We see all of these little New Year resolutions, and I read them, and I'm like, these are horrible. We are going and telling people, be as selfish as you want, because you are great, and you deserve it. The, the prioritization and, and the uh, favoritism of self, as followers of Christ, we are called to love God with all our heart, mind, body, and soul, put God first, and to put others first as well. And so when we, in the context of the, of the body of Christ, say, well, I don't like this, or I don't like that, we are putting ourselves in a place of 
partiality. And we're seeing everything else as, as less, is worth less than my comfort. No one person is of greater value than anyone else in the kingdom of God. Galatians chapter 3 verse 28. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. We cannot put ourselves before others. I can imagine if James was using this example, I kind of get pictures in my head, and in this picture he tells us, you see people probably in the little get-up that we dress the kids up on for um, Christmas plays and all of that. And they're coming in, they're greeting each other, and you see them, we've seen it, and they welcome the rich guy, and then they uh, put him to the front, and then the poor guy, and they're like, yeah, you just sit in the back. But I can imagine in, in if this was modern day, we would just see a bunch of people pushing through the door, elbowing to get to the front to get the best for themselves. I think that is the big example that James would want us to see this morning. Is are we pushing and moving and positioning ourselves to earn favor to get for ourselves. Following Christ is not about getting for myself. Following Christ is about giving of myself. And the last example this morning, and sometimes we hold back from giving of ourselves, and the reason we do that is we don't feel the world or the church, and this especially happens in the church world, sometimes, how many of you agree, it's easier to give grace to the world sometimes than it is within the body of Christ? It's easier. It is. Because the world's the world. They don't know any better. We expect them to act that way. But when we are hurt, whether real or imagined, within the body of Christ... We, there's this thing called offense. The Bible talks about it a few different times. It says, do not be easily offended. Do not be quick to be offended. And the reason why is because when we are offended as, as, as flawed human beings, we immediately begin to make judgments about how we were offended, why we were offended, and what deserves to happen as a result of that offense. And so we end up creating this, this prejudice, we end up creating this, this partiality, this favoritism, this unwillingness to give of ourselves to others because they don't deserve it. There are many people, uh, self-professing Christians all across the U.S. that do not attend, that aren't a part of the body of Christ because they believe, and I've been a part of it at different times, that the body of Christ doesn't deserve me because I'm so awesome, and, and they're not, and they do not deserve this. Am I the only one that thinks in such egotistical terms? Okay, you guys are better than me. But if we're honest, 
We have these thoughts. We have these feelings. We respond this way. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 through 15, Paul hits on the subject, Apostle Paul. He says, make allowance for each other's faults. Make allowance. What is he saying? He's saying, give room. Give room. Expect it. Prepare yourself ahead of time. Give allowance. Give this little bit of grace ahead of time. So don't wait until someone offends you and go, oh, man. Expect yourself to be offended and have grace already in your grace piggy bank to pay out as soon as it happens. Because what happens is we get offended and then we have to scrape and clean and spend time in prayer, going under all the prayer cushions, trying to find all the little coins of grace we can possibly get to put towards that person in the situation. And we're like, God, I'm coming up short again. you got to help me out. And God's saying, I give you everything you need every single day. Save some of it and put it forward a little bit, all right? Maybe, here's a crazy thought, start passing it out ahead of time. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love. We just gave that definition of what kind of love he's talking about. Which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. If we do not submit to the call in the heart of Christ and live in peace with the body of Christ, we will not be at peace with Christ within ourselves. The body of Christ is just that. The body of Christ. And if we do not choose to live together in peace and harmony, we therefore are choosing to not live in peace and harmony with part of Christ. Because we are in Him as He is in the Father and He is in us. We are made one by His Holy Spirit. And so James is hitting on this. He's saying, be in unity. Don't let these divides of socioeconomic status, of of, of culture, of, of attitudes sneak in so that we treat each other different, that we create division. Let us not do that. So our reflection questions this morning. What aspects, whether it be our worldview or our own personalities, our political views or our socioeconomic status, what aspects may lead me to intentionally or unintentionally show partiality or favoritism to some people over others. And we have to ask these questions. That's why I love that God gave us his word. I love that we have James talking to us because we just don't think about these things, do we? And that's why it's so important to look at God's word and say, okay, Holy Spirit, you, you've spoken to us through, through God's word here. How do I apply it to my life? So ask the Holy Spirit this question. 
Number two, how can I become more aware of my behavior towards people and how it hinders or helps my reflection of Christ? How we treat one another, how we treat the world, is either going to reveal and reflect Christ or it's going to reveal and reflect us. And we are called to reflect Christ. So when I'm able to respond in a situation that is very different from the, the world's response, and I had this happen once, someone said, how can you be so calm? How can you just forgive? I said, well, I can't. But Christ in me, because of what he's done for me, because he's done that very thing for and to me, I'm just letting it continue on. And allow people to see that contrast. That It's not us that's perfect. It's Christ's love that is perfect. But when we allow and we choose it to, to flow out of our lives, it reflects Christ. And thirdly, what steps will I take to be more like Christ. What ways can I be more intentional to, to maybe, and I'm going to maybe put in a little more specific context, just pray about it. Say, God, what, and I, I've had to do this myself, there's certain personalities, there's just certain sometimes things that it grades us, there's certain ideologies, sometimes we just can't, and, and in the body of Christ, sometimes we do that, we, we, we get all poo-poo and we talk bad about other churches and all oh, those people, blah, blah, blah. Let's not do that. They are brothers and sisters in Christ. In other churches, other people, they can, and we can say, oh, they talk bad about, I don't care. I don't need their approval. I've got Jesus's. God did not call me to act responsibly in response to other people's bad behavior. God did not call me to be reactionary. He called me to be proactive in demonstrating the love of Christ. And so maybe just pray, and uh, even now, maybe just close your eyes and say, God, what person? Maybe it's an individual. Maybe it's a group of people. Maybe it's an entire demographic. Maybe not. But God, what area, what people group, do I need to be intentional to go to and show the love that you've given me? And how can I do that? 